We are very blessed to have a guest preacher in our midst today. This is a woman that I met in 2011, and she has lived many lives. I need a Adesanya, and I want to tell you a few of them. Uh, one of them is that she was a UC Berkeley grad in architecture, and after that, I'm going to read what she has down here. She worked as a land use planner, facilities professional, and construction industry executive for 25 years. You are not old enough to do all these lives. That was her first life. She got married. She has four children, 11, 14, 25, and I don't know, the 24th. Okay. So that's another life. Then another life is that she decided God was calling her into ministry. So she went into uh, the program, the Master of Divinity program at um, San Anselmo, uh, San Francisco Theological Seminary. She was in the Master of Divinity there, and she and I were in the same spiritual direction training program beginning in 2011, so I met her during that. Since that time, or maybe at the same time, I don't know, you got your master's in psychology at the GTU, and now she's working on a doctorate at the GTU in the studies in cultural history, historical cultural studies of religion. So this woman is unstoppable. She's a spiritual director. She is also working at her church. She's the minister of spiritual life for the Allen Temple Baptist Church in Oakland. We're glad they let you come here today. So welcome, Inita, to the pulpit. Good morning, Trinity. Thank you all. It's been such a blessing already to be here with you. Um, everyone's been so warm and welcoming. And I love your facility. How beautiful. <clears throat> I do um, bring greetings from my home church, which is the Allen Temple Baptist Church in Oakland, California. And as um, Pastor Mary said, I serve as Minister of Spiritual Life. And my senior pastor is J. Alfred Smith, Jr. And so I bring you greetings from Allen Temple. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we've come together this morning seeking guidance, Lord, seeking your word, and seeking our response to suffering, to evil in this world. Lord, thank you for the courage to broach such a difficult topic. And now let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For the scripture, I want to do something that might be a little different. As Pastor Mary said, I'm a spiritual director, and so sometimes I do things a little different in my sermons. And so I want to invite you to, um, as opposed to read along with me, I don't know if the, oh, if the words are up, but as opposed to reading along with me, and of course you can if you choose to, but I invite you to um, close your eyes or sit comfortably with um, an eye downward as if you were to position yourself for prayer, and receive the word as I read it, receive the words as I read them in anticipation of receiving the word from God. 
I would invite you to pay attention as you hear and receive this word to your body, to your mind, how you feel, what, 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 what um, comes up for you as I read these. Which words stand out most for you? What strikes you in this text? And just hold it. And just hold it. And so I invite you to do so as you're comfortable. Close your eyes or position yourselves as if you were to be entering prayer. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its water roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in all the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. I am praying not only on behalf of these disciples, but also on behalf of all those who will ever believe in me through their message. When we walk with the Lord in the light of the word, what a glory God sheds on our way. While we do God's goodwill, God abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey. Come back, Trinity. Why does God allow evil and suffering? It's a question of the odyssey. The odyssey. An attempt to explain why God allows bad things to happen to good people. The odyssey is the branch of theology which defends God's goodness, defends God's goodness and justice 
in the face of the existence of evil and suffering. Though various responses to the problem of evil had been uh, previously proposed, the term theodicy was coined by the German mathematician and philosopher Gottfried Lipsnitz, and I may be pronouncing that incorrectly, in 1710 in his work by the same name, Theodicy. Other definitions include a vindication of the divine attributes, particularly holiness and justice, in establishing or allowing the existence of physical and moral evil. Another, a defense of God's goodness and omnipotence in view of the existence of evil. Or, the study of the problem of evil in the world, raised in light of the sovereignty of God. How could a holy and loving God who is in control of all things allow evil to exist? The argument goes like this. A God that allows suffering to continue is either A, not all-powerful, not omnipotent, and is thus unable to prevent suffering, B, not loving because this God has the power to prevent suffering but is unwilling to do so, and or C, not all-knowing, not omniscient, because God only is aware of the suffering after it has already occurred, and that's too late to prevent it. These are arguments. To be certain, however, even Christians are not of one voice in addressing the problem of evil and suffering. Some Christians believe that the first human beings, Adam and Eve, lived in an earthly paradise without any pain until they violated God's will, resulting in their being cast out of paradise into the world of suffering. In other words, suffering is deserved by humanity because of the sin of their first parents. Other Christians do not take the story of Adam and Eve literally. For them, suffering can be a result of our own bad decisions, our own free will. Use of illegal drugs can not only be addicting, but life-threatening or cause one to fall into a life of crime. Our bad eating habits can be the cause or accelerator of diseases such as diabetes or hypertension. Suffering can come from biological and physical laws of nature, such as gravity, that govern our bodies and, and, and uh, environment. What goes up must come down. We risk suffering every time we board an airplane. Dangerous bacteria like that found in the Zika virus of late, uh, of, of, of now, use herman, uh, human hosts for their survival, threatening the lives of these human hosts. Then there are the natural disasters, like the unexpected rise of waters in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'll share that my 24-year-old is in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and uh, she's doing a master's degree there at Louisiana State University. Um, and she just returned from her summer break uh, last week, early this week, Monday. And she sent 
photos, or, or, or not a photo, but you know, on text. She sent me a text of a video of her in the car driving from New Orleans into Baton Rouge. And I'd seen the pictures on t TV, on CNN, and, and, uh, but there was nothing like seeing and hearing my daughter's voice in this car filming these houses that were six feet under the water and people on top of their cars. There's nothing more real than seeing that and seeing her go through it. Still, many Christians believe that Jesus suffered primarily to pay the penalty due for our sins. But others believe that Jesus suffered to show his solidarity with suffering humanity, showing the lengths to which God was willing to go to prove God's love for us and to demonstrate that the Son shared fully in the human condition. The answer to the old age question, age old question, sorry, of theodicy has been debated for as long as the church has existed. Two of the most common answers to this question are that God's ways are mysterious, or that God has an overarching plan that we cannot know. In fact, many Christian thinkers have rejected as immoral any attempt to discern God's purposes or to judge God's actions by mere human standards. Well, Trinity, we still don't have a definitive answer. And the Bible doesn't seek to justify God's actions. As much as I wish that I could have come here today with a golden answer, I could not. Just as Pastor Mary told the children. I was hoping you didn't give them the answer. <laughs> to the question of evil and suffering. But the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. You see, this matter of theodicy is an attempt at a defense of our good, loving, all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present God. In my contemplation on the question of today's sermon, spirit the Holy Spirit placed a counter question in me, in my heart. Does God really need our defense or do we need God's defense? What response can the church make towards suffering, the pain of our members, our communities, and our world? In our text today, we find affirmation of God, the Creator's defense of God's people, and God the Redeemer's prayer for our protection from evil. The message Spirit gave me for today is that it is not for us to defend God, but rather to love, to trust, and obey. Not a shadow can rise. If you don't know this old hymn, listen to the words. Not a cloud in the skies, but his smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt nor a fear, not a sigh nor a tear, 
can abide while we trust and obey. In this 46th Psalm, we receive the Song of Zion, the place, the people of God, Jerusalem, expressing confidence in God's protection in the midst of whatever trouble comes. Pain and suffering are very real and all too present among us. From illness and disease, mental and physical and emotional abuse, racism and discrimination, outright hate, war and terror, natural disasters and famine due to lack of basic human needs around the world. We are a people surrounded, if not directly impacted, by pain and suffering. But not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toil goth duds doth richly repay, not a grief nor a loss, not a frown nor a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. Still, we must contend with the realities of our humanity, our broken hearts, our broken bodies, our broken systems and structures, and our sometimes broken spirits. As a spiritual director, I meet regularly with people who love God and who are suffering and grieving from the many losses in their lives, losses on the job, losses in relationships, losses in health, losses in wealth. I'm reminded of one of my former patients. Several years ago now, summers ago, I worked as a hospital chaplain. One of my patients wanted to know why God had allowed her to remain in pain for so long despite her many prayers. She wondered if God really loved her. I remember it clearly. And I was a chaplain uh, trainee. I was a chaplain intern, so I wasn't really that experienced. But I walked into the room. Hi, I'm Chaplain Anita. May I come in? And she sat up immediately. She said, yes. Why does God let me keep suffering? Why won't God take the pain away? Why, you know, I've been praying and praying and God's not listening to me. Why won't God listen to me? Why doesn't God love me? So I took a seat next to her bed, and I listened to her, and I said, tell me more. And so she told me her story. She told me about her illness, about what was going on with her body. And then I admitted that I didn't know why God had allowed her to, to remain in pain for so long. And she actually thanked me. She said, thank you. Then I related my own story of pain and suffering and the story of others, pain and suffering. And how trusting in God in the midst of it all helped me and helped others. When we experience pain and suffering, poverty and loss, it's hard to imagine how anything good can come from it. It may become difficult to imagine ever being happy or whole again. And even though God promises that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, 
when in desperate, disastrous, devastating situations, we may wonder how in the world God could ever bring anything good out of it. Well, I'm here today to tell you that no matter how bad your situation is, God is in it with you and can bring you out of it. If only we trust. Trust is hard. You know, we hear that and we say that and it's easy to roll off our tongues, but really, just trust God. The psalm declares, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. It's the city of God, Jerusalem, Zion. That includes all of us. God is here. The river is a metaphorical image for the source of a blessing. In contrast to the raging environment, the earthquakes, the floods, there is a peaceful river of supply in the sanctuary of God that gives life. There was no literal river in Jerusalem, <clears throat> uh, but rather belief that subterranean water supply, which we might call groundwater, was the source of various fountains and pools. This unseen river then becomes or became the symbol of inner life, grace, and joy that can only come from the Spirit of God. But we never can prove the delights of God's love until all on the altar we lay for the favor God shows and the joy God bestows are for those who will trust and obey. We must love and trust God. In our humanity, sometimes we can become angry. But if we have a resentful, bitter, unforgiving, or hateful attitude, God's promise will become null and void. The Bible says that all things work together for good for those who love God in good times and bad times. God knows what's in our hearts. There's nothing we can hide from God. Trusting God doesn't mean that we pray only when we want or believe we need something. No, God wants us to ask for things in accordance with God's will. Trusting God is a way of life and doesn't depend on circumstances. Rather, it depends on our understanding of who and what God is. And we get to know God by depending on God's holy word. Knowing that I may never see her again, I use good old-fashioned testimony with my patient who was questioning God's love. Sometimes we, we just need to hear the goodness of the Lord in real time, in real time. Finally, God says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. In my exegesis of the text, I find that God isn't actually saying be silent in this passage. Rather, God is likely addressing the evil, warring nations with a warning to cease and desist. 
claiming victory and issuing divine assurance of help to Zion against the enemies. ISIS, be still. Al-Qaeda, be still. Boko Haram, be still. Floods in Louisiana and Ghana, be still. Haters and racists, be still. Abusers, be still. Cancer, be still. Satan, be still. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at God's feet or we'll walk by his side in the way. What God says we will do, where God sends we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Trinity, we must trust God with our whole heart and walk with God through each day regardless of how difficult it may be. Trusting God means always knowing that God is on our side even when we don't sense God's presence in the moment. It means praying in the name of Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit and refusing to give in to fear or doubt or any other form of evil. As I close, it is my prayer that through this word from God, you will remember that regardless of how much your world shakes, God is unshakable. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So don't doubt God when you're in the midst of pain, suffering, or just a really hard time. Jesus' prayer was not that God take us out of the world, but that God protect us from the evil one. Thank God in advance for the good that is going to come out of your situation. Thank God for the freedom and salvation received through, our, through the gift of our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, and continue to show your love for God through praise and trust in God's holy word. For the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Trust and obey. Those of you who know it, join me. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. The chorus one more time. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Amen.